Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. You know, it was a joy to serve with, with Paul. Uh, he was one of the elders here. And uh, I know that one of his favorite books of the Bible was Philippians. He talked about it all the time, about rejoicing in the Lord. And he's really rejoicing right now. And uh, I can also remember, I was reminded even yesterday as I was thinking, we used to go to family camp together with him and Ann. And, and uh, he and I used to like to play uh, horseshoes, sometimes against one another, and then as partners. And we would clean house on everybody, boy. Yeah. Uh, those were some fun, fun days, uh, good memories. Ephesians 6 and verse 4. This is the last message on the Spirit-filled heart and home. And I do trust that you have been encouraged through this whole process. And uh, I know I have. It's been a joy with me, and I know I've gotten lots of feedback from you as God's people in different ways that the Lord has ministered to your heart. So praise be to God in all of that. You know, really, if we are going to have a spiritual home, it does begin with a spirit-filled heart, does it not? Yes, that's why we started with that. And you find that so clearly in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 to 21. That's the foundation. And when we are controlled in our hearts by God, then yes, our marriages are what they should be. And yes, our parenting is what it should be. And that's where we are at today. It was about two and a half months ago that we had our parenting conference. And I pray that you were able to attend that or you have since listened to the set of messages by Paul Taujus on our website. If not, please take the time to listen to them. It is really, really good. Or read about it. And I say that because the book that he used was Raising Kids in a You-Can-Do-It World. It is by Paul Taujus. And essentially, this was the conference right here. And uh, you can read it. It's about 65 pages. Uh, it only takes about two hours to read. And so I not only went to the conference, I also read through it just to rehash in my own heart and mind uh, some of the things he was saying. And I would encourage you uh, to do the same as well. Today, what I'm going to discuss on this matter is a short discussion, a short extension and complement to what you already heard, okay? And so I want you to follow as I read one verse, and that is verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Yes, and may God add his blessing to the reading of that verse. You know, about a month ago, we looked at the responsibility of children in the home. Very simply, they are to do what? Obey and honor their parents. That is what they are supposed to do. Okay? That's what we see there in verses 1 to 3. But that duty is very closely related to the duty of fathers, as we just read there in verse 4. In fact, there is an untranslated connecting article that begins verse 4. It says, and fathers, which indicates that though the children are to obey, that they are to honor their parents, 
it is the father's primary responsibility to teach them to obey. Okay? Now, even though verse 4 here was directed to fathers, it certainly applies to mothers as well, given the context. Because what does it say there in six one? Children, obey your parents. That is both dad and mom. But I do believe that Paul singled out fathers for a couple of reasons. Number one, they are the head of the home, right? Yes, God has given them that authority. The rearing of children begins with him and his leadership. But also, number two, this is quite interesting. In the culture of the day, fathers were free to wield their authority in ways which were not pleasing to God. Even under Roman law, get this, a father had the freedom to reject his child at birth. Yeah. Even to sell his child if he did not like him or her. And sometimes even to have that child put to death. My, oh my. And so what the apostle was calling men to do was countercultural. They were to be lights in this world of what godly parenting should be. And so dads and moms, what you have here in verse 4 is 20 words for successful Christian parenting. It's simple instruction. It's not complicated. But the application of it is another matter. (laughs) All right? Yeah. It's long. It's a long process, but it's a growing process for both parents and the children. You see, in the middle of verse 4, Paul called fathers to what? Bring them up. That's what it says there. That is to nurture children to maturity. You see, like adults, children have corruption around them, and they have corruption in them. They have sin within them. And they also, on top of it, have their own immaturity. And so rearing of children takes time. It takes wisdom. You know, I love what Hendrickson said in his commentary. Listen to these words. The very heart of Christian nurture is this. To bring the heart of the child to the heart of the Savior. Yeah, amen and amen. But how is this to be done? That's the question I want to lay out before you. How is this to be done? How are we to nurture these children? Well, from this text, I want you to consider with me three ways. Three ways fathers and, of course, mothers are to nurture their children. And I will tell you, if you are faithful, I'm not saying perfect because none of us are perfect, right? You will not be perfect at this. But if you are faithful, I truly believe God will honor it and be glorified. Isn't that what you want? You bet you do. Now remember, what you see in this verse is commanded by God. Did you hear me when I said that? It is commanded by God. That's what we have here, is a command from God. That means this is not optional. You can't just choose and say, well, I'll think about it. No, it's not optional. It is commanded by God. The children you have ultimately belong to whom? God, that's right. He's loaned them to you, so to speak, for a period of time. 
And so he expects you to take care of his little ones. And really, that's the approach I want you to take this morning. Yes, I'm your pastor, and I'm speaking to you this morning, but put me behind the cross here, okay? I'm just God's mouthpiece. These words are coming from God, who's speaking to you as parents. So take what you hear this morning very, very seriously. In the beginning of this verse, verse 4, you see the first way to bring up your children. And it's actually from a negative aspect. Look what it says very clearly. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Okay, again, what does it say? You are to nurture them, that is your children, by not provoking them to anger. Pretty simple, right? Yep, very clear. You are to nurture your children by not provoking them to anger. Paul here was warning fathers to be careful about arousing their children to wrath. That's what it means. And thus encouraging them to rebel and be resentful. I like how Paul puts this actually in Colossians 3 and verse 21. We have these words. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. So how does this happen? How do children get provoked to anger? Because Paul simply here gave the command and then he just left it there. Well, I believe there is some insight, not only from this verse, but also from the surrounding context. Remember, this comes in a letter to the church at Ephesus. And so there are things in the context of this instruction that might help us here in not provoking children to anger. So let's just consider a few of those things this morning. This, in no way, is exhaustive. I'm just going to give you five. Number one, children are provoked to anger by an abuse of authority. That's right, by an abuse of authority. As mentioned already, this was going on in the culture of the day. And this is why The apostle here addressed Christian fathers because their God-given responsibility, their God-given authority to lead the home could be taken too far such that there was what? Verbal and physical abuse, which is against God's will. In fact, there is a good illustration, a good example of this found in 1 Samuel 20. Verses 30 to 34. We're not going to go there and read it, but write it down. 1 Samuel 20, 30 to 34. And what you see there is Saul being abusive, actually, to his son Jonathan. Jonathan had come to Saul about David because Saul wanted to put David to death. And he's saying there, why, Dad? He hasn't done anything deserving of that. And his dad got so upset and mad that he flung some very verbal abuse at his son and then chucked a spear at him. He was looking to kill him. Yes, that kind of thing goes on. There are fathers who think that, well, I've been given the responsibility to lead the home. And then they think they can wield that 
any way they want. No. (laughs) You have to be careful that you do not abuse the authority that God has given to you. Look at what God's word has to say concerning that and follow it for his glory. Number two, here's another way that certainly you can provoke your children to anger. And that is the failure of being a good example. The failure of being a good example. You know, children often are angered because dad or mom gets angry. Yeah. They may have had some rough situation, some rough trial. Things weren't going their way. And so they just got all of a sudden upset, angry, being mad. And the child is just sitting there observing this from either mom or dad. They're setting a poor example. In fact, look what it says in Ephesians 4, 30 and 31. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. That's God's expectation of all Christians, not just fathers and mothers, but certainly they are in the context here. Why? Because it comes out of the gospel. When you've embraced Christ, he can help you with this. I want you to listen to this little story by D.C. McCaslin from the Daily Bread, written years ago. But he wrote this. I was browsing in a used bookshop when an irate customer stormed in and loudly demanded a refund. When the man couldn't get what he wanted, he began swearing at the clerk. He continued the tirade for several minutes as a girl of seven or eight stood passively at his side. Eventually, he stomped out of the store, cursing as he went with the little girl following close behind. Then McCaslin said, I wondered if the girl was his daughter or even granddaughter. If so, what did she learn from him that afternoon? More importantly, the event caused me to ask, what does my daughter learn from me at home and at all the places we go together? She learns a lot more from watching my behavior than from all my little talks about life and God. Wow. And so it's so important, parents, that you are a good example. And if not, then yes, you will provoke your children to anger because you're setting two standards. You're saying one thing and then you're living another. Number three, children are provoked to anger because fathers failed to nurture them. Yeah, fathers failed to nurture them. And really, this is captured in the second half of the verse from the positive aspect, which we're going to consider here more in a moment. But for now, as the text says, bring them up. (laughs) Bring them up. That is the children. This takes time and demands speaking to your children, listening to them, doing things with them, and discipling them in the milieu of life. Right? Yes. You heard that from Deuteronomy (laughs) 6, 1 to 13 this morning. But just listen to what it says there in verses 6 and 7. 
These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. This nurturing process is going on or should be going on all the time. But when you fail, you provoke your children to anger. And so, Dad and Mom, how is that going for you? Or does everything else have your time and attention? Maybe you come home after a long day's work and you just go, I'm bushed. And we do get that way. And you just say, I'm just going to veg. And then it becomes your habit. And then you become, you get to the point where you're wasting three and four hours a night when you can be using that purposefully (laughs) to minister to your children. Don't let this pass by. Again, God is speaking here. Nurture them. Number four, as children, also children here, are provoked to anger because of the failure to encourage. The failure to encourage. So the question comes, are you an encourager or are you a discourager? Do you find yourself focusing more on your child's failures or accomplishments? For example, look what it says over in Ephesians 4 and verse 29. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that will give grace to those who hear. But I also want you to notice the balance in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 14, where Paul there is speaking to the church of Thessalonica. And he says these words, We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly. Are your children unruly at times? Yeah. And so, yes, you need to admonish them. But then he goes on with perfect balance to say these words, Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. <laughs> and so... Are you an encourager or discourager? That's a good question. Here's one more. We provoke our children to anger through a lack of parental harmony. Through a lack of parental harmony. And this goes right back to 522 to 33. The previous chapter. Yeah. When dads and moms are not fulfilling their roles as husbands and wives, often, and I say often, they are not on the same page when it comes to parenting. And what happens is it results in double standards and the children are frustrated. Yeah, if, you, if, you, if you're not following through, wives, on your role, or husbands, your role, well, then likely you're, you're not going to be on target together in discipling your children's hearts. More often than not. And so when dad says one thing and mom says another, yeah, you've got double standards. And the kids are wondering, well, do I do this or that? Yeah, that's frustrating to them. And so you see, beloved, how important it is to be filled with the Spirit, to be controlled by Him in your heart. It not only impacts your personal walk with Christ, but also your marriages and parenting. And as you walk out of here today, you're going to be given a packet of material, okay? Part of which speaks further to this whole matter of provoking your children to anger. I just gave you 
a few examples, but there's much, much more, and it's supported by Scripture. And so please take the time to read through that. Well, let's look at another way fathers and mothers are to nurture their children. As he goes on to say there in the middle part of verse 4, but bring them up in the discipline, dot, 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 of the Lord. Bring them up in the discipline of the Lord. So, what is clear here? Parents, you are to nurture your children by, yes, disciplining them. Disciplining them. And I will say that usually when we hear these words, all sorts of negative thoughts enter into our minds. Maybe when I just said it, you went, oh, oh, you know. Negative thoughts came into your heart and mind, but it shouldn't. Actually, the word for discipline here is paideia. It refers to systematic training. That's what it means. Systematic training. Now, is training hard work? Oh, yeah. Does pain come with it? Sure it does. In fact, you just ask the Olympic, the Olympic, the people that are in the Olympics, especially coming this summer in Paris. Okay? For the last four years and maybe even longer, (laughs) they've been training. All you're going to see when they compete is how well they do. But for them to get to that point took hard work over years as they corrected themselves along the way. Much pain in the process. And for Christian parents, this is about setting biblical standards in the home and enforcing them. And yes, on one hand, this training is painful. <laughs> it is. You, you, you already know that. It involves correction, sometimes punishment. And yet, on the other hand, it also is rewarding. Why? Because it brings about the fruits of righteousness. If you're consistent with it, it certainly does. I mean, we're talking about changed behavior presently. But Lord willing, and more importantly, a changed heart in the future. Isn't that what you want? Yeah. The fruit of righteousness. You know, in Hebrews chapter 12, 5 to 11, the Bible speaks to this whole training and discipline. And it's in regards to God and His children. Yeah, God disciplines us, does He not? Yes. And it hurts sometimes. And how he does that, it's up to him. But he does chasten. And why does he chasten us? Why does he discipline us? Because he loves us. That's why. And that is what is captured there in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 and 11. Discipline is an act of love because it's about training little lives and protecting them from going down the wrong path or developing a character that is unpleasing to God. I want you to just take a moment and read with me some verses about this very thing from Proverbs. I'm not even going to give a commentary on it. It's very clear, but I want you to see what Proverbs has to say on this. Holding your space in Ephesians, go with me to Proverbs chapter 13. And it's likely some of you have seen some of these verses before. But I want you to know that this is coming from God, not from Pastor Kirk. 
Philippians chapter 13, I should say Proverbs chapter 13. Verse 24. He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. Turn with me over to Proverbs 22. Verse 15. Proverbs 22 in verse 15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. Look at the very next chapter. Chapter 23, verses 13 and 14. Do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you strike him with the rod, he will not die. You shall strike him with the rod and rescue his soul from Sheol. That is from the grave. Look with me at Proverbs 29 in verse 15. And by the way, I'm not giving you all the verses on this in Proverbs. There's more. (laughs) But Proverbs 29 in verse 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. I want you to listen to these words coming from Susanna Wesley. And really, it is John Wesley who recorded these words from his mother in his journal. And by the way, Susanna Wesley had 17 children. 17. I was in, in my neighborhood when I was growing up, there was a, a family of 19 children. Wow, yeah, oh my. But you know what? We're kind of on the way here, aren't we? I mean, yeah. They just keep... Popping out. And these these families start, you know, growing and growing and growing. But I want you to listen to these words from Susanna Wesley. Okay? The parent who studies to subdue self-will in his child works together with God in renewing and saving a soul. The parent who indulges self-will does the devil's work, makes religion impractical, salvation unattainable, and does all that in him lies to damn his child's soul and body forever. Wow, those are pretty potent words from a lady who raised a number of children. Children who have self-will. They all do, right? Yeah. We even have self-will. Thank God for our salvation which puts that under wraps, so to speak. But it's there. And so, parents, is discipline a part of your nurturing process? Are you training your children to obey you? That's what generally the Scriptures tell us there in Ephesians 6 and verse 1. But on a practical basis, are you communicating with them standards from God's Word and humbly and graciously following through on that. Yes, I do pray that you are, because this is God's will. It is. And yes, spankings are a part of this whole process, but other forms of correction will be used, especially as the child gets older. And parents have to be a little bit more creative, because you want it to hurt, right? That's what changes. That's the pain of paideia. But that correction process brings about the fruits of righteousness. And that's your goal, right? Yeah. Though it's hard, you do it for the glory of God and for the good of your child. And so I've put 
an article in your packet. Okay, this is another piece of resource on suggestions when using the rod. And I just ask you to read through it. It's meant to be a guide. Also, you might want to read this little booklet. Okay, we have them in, I think, our library, but you can pick it up. It's also by Paul and Karen Tauges, the very man who was here for our parenting conference. And it says here, help, my toddler rules the house. Who's supposed to rule the home? Yeah, but kids do. And so they talk about seven laws in correcting that in the home. It's very, very good. I've read it too as well. But I would also ask you parents to talk to godly older parents for wisdom. You mean, at your fingertips, here in this church, you have those who have been parents. They've gone through the process. And yes, they all have failed in some form or another. Ask them about that. But also ask them for wisdom. What did you do right? What did you do wrong? Give me some input. I need your help here. Because when you don't reach out to that wisdom that is amongst you, that's foolish. In fact, in the book of Proverbs, it says, in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. But when you avoid going to older people, oh, they're just a bunch of fuddy-duddies. They don't know a thing. Really? They know a lot more than you think. Now, I thought that way of my parents when I was younger. Now, when I think back, I go, wow, what they said was good. (laughs) But I didn't think so then. And so reach out to these parents in the church. Let them speak into your life. And let them pray for you. They'll know better how to pray for you. And they'll even follow up on it and say, how's things going? Can I give you some more help in this matter? Yeah. Well, let's go right into the final way that fathers and mothers are to nurture their children. And we find it there at the end of verse 4. And bring them up in the instruction of the Lord. And so again, what is obvious here? Parents, you are to bring up your children by instructing them. Instructing them. By the way, this is a complement to the discipline and training aspect. They work together. That's why it says there, the discipline and instruction. They're connected together. You can't do one without the other. And so you're to be pouring truth into the minds and hearts of your children. That word instruction literally means a putting into the mind. The Greek word here is nuthesia. That is a discipling of the heart. And of course, the obvious question is, what are children to be instructed? What are children to be instructed? Well, the verse indicates what it is to be, and that is what? The instruction of the Lord. Yeah, the instruction of the Lord. And so not only are the standards for discipline to come from the Bible, but also 
instruction for how to live is to come from the Word of God. Amen? Yeah. I like what it says in 2 Timothy 3, 14 and 17. These are Paul's words to Timothy. He says, You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. From childhood, he has known the sacred writings. He was taught that by his grandmother and his mother. His father was an unbeliever. And so he was taught the scriptures by grandma and ma. And so the seed was sown into his heart from a young age. And then when Paul came along on his second missionary journey, he came to Christ. And Paul mentored him in the years to follow such that he became the pastor of the church at Ephesus. And so, fathers, you are to work hard at helping your children to understand, know, and apply the Bible. Yeah. It's not complicated. You read it for yourself, you understand it, and you turn around in the milieu of life, you bring those truths into their little hearts. It's not complicated. Don't make it that way. But here are some other significant things that you could disciple their hearts, okay? I'm going to give you some suggestions here. And for the most part, it's going to come out of the context of Ephesians because that's where this instruction comes from. So I want you to see it from the context of what we find here in the book of Ephesians. What's the first thing that we should be introducing our children to? The gospel. Yeah. Let's just start with that. The gospel. You instruct their hearts with the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus Christ, which leads to repentance, faith, a changed heart and following Him. That's what it says in Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. Sometime, Father, go through Ephesians 2, 1 to 10 and just meditate on it. What it has to say about the heart of man and the grace of God and faith in Jesus Christ. It's all there. So read it for yourself and then turn around and communicate this with God's help to your children. Yeah. Number two, you want to instruct them to love God and one another. Yeah, to love God and one another. And by the way, you are to exemplify that. Exemplify before your kids that you love Jesus by obeying Him. But you want to instruct them to love God and one another. That's the two tables of the law. When Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment? What did he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And then your neighbor as yourself. When you look at the Ten Commandments, the first four deal with you and God. The last six are you and others. Yeah, that summarizes the Ten Commandments. Loving God and loving others. This is about being God and others-centered rather than self-centered. Yeah, everyone is self-centered to a degree. Okay, you want your heart and your children's heart to look away from yourself to God first 
and others second. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, right? What does it say there? Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Number three, you want to instruct your kids how to deal with sin and difficulties of life. Yeah. You want to teach them how to deal with sin and difficulties of life. This is not going to change while you're here on this earth. How do they deal with sin? It's how you deal with sin. They're going to face all sorts of trials. How do they respond to that? Boy, when you look at Ephesians 4, 20 through 32, it tells us right there how we deal with sin as believers. It starts with the gospel. And then out of the gospel, you put off. You're renewed and you put on. And he gives you some examples of that in verses 25 to 32 there of chapter 4. How about Ephesians 6, 10 to 18 there? Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the powers, against world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. You can stand firm because you know Christ. It all starts with that. And when they're not standing firm, when they're not dealing with sin the way they should, that gives you an opportunity to bring the gospel into the heart because that's the only way they can handle it. The only way. Number four, the importance of church. Oh, you want to, you want to disciple their hearts with that. The importance of church. Maybe you've never thought about that before. But you know, Paul told Timothy, he says that the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. Yeah, outside your home, it's the most important institution, the church. Yeah, in fact, Ephesians chapters 2 and 3 deals with the doctrine of the church. And out of that comes the practical aspects of the church. Ephesians was written to what? A church. A church. And so you want to teach them the importance of church. Number five. So important, this one. Submission to authority. Yeah. You want to teach their minds on being submissive to authority. What authority? Well, first of all, God, right? First and foremost. And then parents. (laughs) And then government. Employers. Church leaders. Some of which are found in this context. In fact, look what it says in Ephesians 6, 5 and following. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of your heart as to Christ, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, render service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will render back from the Lord, whether slave or free. Your children, just like you, are under authority. We're all under authority. You may not think about it that way, but we are. 
How do you respond to authority? Those whom you are under. Because how you respond is how your children will respond. Teach them the importance. Teach them to respect those who are older than them. I will tell you, if they do not learn that, life is going to be awfully, awfully hard. It will. Back in my day, now, again, we're talking about early on, when I was 16 to 20 years old, and that, boy, if you talk back to your boss, your job was done. You were fired right on the spot. Today, we just coddle that. And what happens is our young people are growing more and more with a disrespect for authority. You want to train them with that, for sure. Because if they don't get it, life will be hard. So much that could be said on that, but we'll keep going here. Number six, teach your children the duties of life and becoming responsible citizens. Yeah, teach your children the duties of life and becoming responsible citizens. For example, the importance of chores and having a job. (laughs) Because when they get out of the home, how how are they going to make a living? they got to learn it now, somewhere. How about handling of money? Give, you know, they earn a little money, give them a little bit of responsibility with that. I can remember when I started earning money, my dad said, well, you're going to start paying for your clothes to go to school. Huh? Yeah. Oh, by the way, you're going to pay for your gas in the car. You're going to pay for the insurance. Oh, that's going to take all my money. Well, yeah, you're going to learn the responsibility of how to handle the dollar bill. This is not foolish stuff that I'm giving you. This is very, very practical. If they don't learn it now, then, yeah, your kids will probably be at home for a long, long time. Mm. That's not God's will. They're to leave their father and mother and to cleave unto their spouse. I like what it says in Ephesians 5, 15 to 70. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Yeah. Let me give you one more. Choosing a mate. Oh, yes. Choosing a mate. You probably should be thankful, young people, that your parents don't choose your mate for you. I know they would like to, but they don't. But you need to know how to choose a mate. In fact, this goes right back to what we see in Ephesians 5, 22 through 33, right? Wives... Your role is to place yourself under the headship of your husband. Husbands, you're to love your wives. You heard the last couple of weeks. Okay? Don't you want your children, when they leave home, to say, I want to marry a woman like my mom. I want to marry a husband like my dad. You know, I'm not saying that they're going to be exact replicas. But in the home, they saw how mom followed her husband and how her, how dad loved mom. Yeah, they want to be that kind of person. Also, what does scripture say in 2 Corinthians 6.14? 
Yeah, and be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? Yeah, you want to teach your believing children that they're to marry only a believer. To go outside that is against God's will. Marriage is tough in and of itself. But in Christ, when both know Christ and they have a heart to please Christ, oh my, yeah, you can work through those tough times. But if you choose to rebel and go against God's word and marry an unbeliever, life will become really tough because they have no interest in the things of the Lord. You'll find that out very, very quickly. And so fathers and mothers, how are you doing with this kind of instruction in the home? This is a serious matter. Because as I said before, these children belong to God. Think about that. Keep that in your mind. Don't walk out of here today saying, these are my children. These are my children. They are God's children. And you have a stewardship before him to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And so be purposeful in nurturing them by faithfully instructing, discipling their heart. You heard what I said there, purposeful. Because if this does not become purposeful to you, it will not get done. You'll just let it pass by. Oh, I've got plenty of time. And the next thing you know, that little one who's now a teenager, and it goes by fast, doesn't it, parents? Yeah, it, it does. Okay, I'm 63 years old. But I can remember when I was 16. It was like the other day. I'm on the downside of life. I'm heading for death and to be with the Lord. So it goes by fast. Let me suggest this. This is something that's unique that I came across with here about a month ago. It's kind of like uh, some cards that you can catechize your children with. Uh, it's, it's put out by Mike Gendron, by the way. Uh, you can go to his website proclaimingthegospel.org and that's where you'll see I get emails from him on his evangelism and things of that nature every month and he happened to advertise this and he's got 12 cards in here the front card tells you what each card has on it God, man, sin, Jesus Christ, the cross, resurrection, salvation, grace, faith, repentance, righteousness and truth just those 12 things that you find in the Bible And what he does with each one of those things is he gives some bullet points on each of them. What does the scriptures have to say about it? Now, does he say everything about truth? No. But he gives some key bullet points on truth and some scripture that supports it. You can use these little cards to catechize your children. Give them a card a week. Have them read through it. And just say, what's truth? What's truth? Yeah. In fact, at supper table, (laughs) in the evening, they don't get to leave the table until they can give you one bullet point on what the truth is. Yeah, they'll learn fast (laughs) because they want to leave the table. So again, these are just tools. That's all these are. But I thought it was quite, I was quite interested. I bought eight of them and I've already handed out seven of them. And uh, they were well received. So... What a blessing to have some of these resources. You know, when I was growing up, my parents didn't have a whole lot of resources. They had the Bible, which is the most important resource. Amen. Read what the Bible has to say and then pray to God for the wisdom to apply that. But today, 
You've got so many resources at your fingertips to help. There, there is no, there is no excuses here. None whatsoever. All I'm giving you is the tip of the iceberg this morning. Build on this. Turn with me, if you would, as we close, to Psalm 128. Thank you for your patience this morning. I knew this message would be a little bit longer. I didn't want to take it two weeks. But Psalm 128. I just want to read the first four verses of this psalm. There's only six verses, but I just want to read the first four. Psalm 128. How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. That's what fearing the Lord is. When you shall eat of the fruit of your hands, you will be happy and it will be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children like olive plants around your table. Behold, for thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. He starts and ends with what? Fearing the Lord. And so I trust that as you leave here this morning, you fear the Lord. I truly believe you want to have a spirit-filled home by having a spirit-filled heart, right? I think if I were to go to each one of you, all of you, and say, do you want a spirit-filled home? Do you want a spirit-filled heart? You'd, You'd all say, absolutely I do. Praise the Lord. I believe that about you. Because that's the heart of Christians. That's the heart of believers. Well, this means you fear the Lord by not provoking your children to anger, by disciplining, training them, and by instructing them. That's successful Christian parenting as far as God is concerned. And that's really all that matters. And so to help you further, I have added... (laughs) a small assignment to the end of your packet. Yeah, I'm not done. (laughs) I've given you an assignment. I've given you homework. One page. All it is is a number of verses on it, on parenting. And for the most part, it comes out of Proverbs. Parents, read them together as husbands and wives. And then sit down with your children and let them read it. And out of that, disciple their hearts. Yeah, again, these are just ways to do that very thing. And so may all of this be a tremendous aid in helping you to be dads and moms that God desires for his glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us and for the patience of your people this morning. Yes, this went a little long, but I pray that their hearts were receptive to the very things that they heard this morning. It's your truth, O God. Uh, There's nothing that we can say that can argue against what you have made very, very clear. This is not complicated. And so speak to hearts, God, in the way you have determined to the things that have been shared this morning. May they take seriously their role as parents. And may you be glorified in that process. In Jesus' name, amen.